Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare, business, and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. David, what do we have up today? What's trending? Well, John, what I would say is you could use a booster, and I'm glad everyone's going to get a booster at the eight-month point. President Biden says eight months, booster time. Do we really think everyone is going to get a booster? We don't even have everyone getting a first shot. I think we're north of 50% of the, of the country has two shots, and we're closing on 70% with at least one shot. But vaccine hesitancy is actually a real thing and a real problem and is creating a series of opportunities to host the new Delta variant. Uh, so why are we talking about boosters at this point? John, uh, it, it appears that you know the vaccines work really well, uh, but then after a while, especially for older people or immunocompromised people, it starts to become less effective. And just like you get a booster shot for other things like the flu, you're going to get a booster shot for COVID-19, you're going to get it a little sooner than a year. And you know what's nice? When they did the rollout before, it was really difficult, you know, who was prioritized and so on. Now it's simple. You look at your vaccine card and you're eligible eight months after you got your first, your second shot. Wait a second, but, but you haven't really explained to me why we're focusing on boosters when we haven't got everybody with vaccines in the first place. Um, and it's that, that vaccine in the first place, particularly the Moderna and Pfizer, that pr pr create real protective immunity, not just for individuals, but for our country. John, I think it's not an either or, it's a everything in there. You know, and there's plenty of doses. So there's no shortage of doses, at least in the rich countries. And so the people who have had the two doses will get a third dose. It's not hard to persuade them to do it. Continue working on the first doses. They are working hard on that, John. If you notice, and now talking about uh, enforcing it so that anybody who works in a nursing home needs to be vaccinated if those nursing homes want to get Medicare and Medicaid funding. I think that's a jolly good idea. What I'm excited about here is the early preliminary information is that the measures of vaccine effectiveness, kind of the titers of the antibodies in your blood, the measures of the antibodies in your blood that create that protective immunity do appear to decline a little bit faster than we would have expected in the case of folks, particularly over 60, who are more vulnerable. And I think the booster shot makes sense from that perspective, but I would hope that we would not be so focused on boosters that we would miss the opportunity to keep kind of... Uh, pushing really the, the the land war on getting everyone vaccinated with with shots that don't again don't just provide individual immunity but could really protect us from more mutations of this covid virus well john tighter or looser i'm glad that we're doing shots first shots second shots and third shots let's get on to our main topic of the day which is that virtual primary care is finally getting real some big announcements out there. CVS Aetna, they just announced a big virtual primary care program. Do you think it's a big deal? What's your virtual point here, David? The point is that, you know, during the pandemic, you had telehealth, which is just kind of doing like a Zoom conference, essentially, for an in-person in appointment that you missed. But there's a real opportunity to make virtual care the first place that you go. And if you have a primary care physician relationship, actually do it on a virtual basis with a bunch of wraparound services to make things more convenient, more efficient, more effective. I think you're missing the point again. Uh, the vast majority of primary care relationships actually aren't that great. I mean, doctors do heal. Doctors do an amazing job. But 
you know, 30 to 50% of all Medicare managed care members don't even either don't have a primary care relationship or don't know who that relationship is with. And I don't know what the value of a relationship is if you don't even know the name of the person you're in the relationship with, but that's another item. Um, I, I, I think that what's exciting about this is that you now have technology-assisted alternative that's going to compete and actually force ba- basic primary care to up its game. And I think particularly in the context of value-based reimbursement where you've got healthcare on a budget and primary care doctors could, if they were, are in the right kind of system, leverage technology and or spend more time with their members. Um, and I also think that it is the uh, it's going to so it's going to force primary care capacity and primary care doctors and leaders to up their game, I believe. And secondly, it's going to, I think, draw in and connect a lot of people who honestly just have a hard time with the inconvenience and complexity of plugging into the medical industrial complex to get the primary care they need, particularly if they're over the age of 60 or or have a chronic condition. John, you're also starting to see some of these big deals start to play out. You know, we heard about, you know, CVS and Aetna, merging. We know Amazon has made a lot of moves and Walmart as well. And now you're starting to see the chess pieces move around the board. So with C- what wait, wait, but do you really, but do you, you and your chess analogies, stop there. I mean, Amazon's done nothing. It, it bought PillPack. Um, and as far as I can tell, for three quarters of a billion dollars, it's had no impact on uh, the pharmacy business. They've had a number of unsuccessful stops and starts in the uh, uh, healthcare at at work. They had that fantastic success with J.P. Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway. That's a complete bust that you were bragging about a few years ago. I mean, I think they're in the the, the books and soap and convenience business. Um, they've done a great job with the cloud, but I think I think they, are, in terms of healthcare, they're kind of like. Zip and four, as far as I can tell. <clears throat> well, John, yeah, I thought you're one of the, like the last Barnes and Noble guys out there on the on the planet. It's and a great it's- store. Don't underestimate it. But let's take a look. So CVS and Aetna, they've got the physical locations. They've got the insurance company. And so they're making the most of that. So they're combining the Minute Clinic and the Health Hub uh, with the CVS Pharmacy and with the Aetna Insurance, interestingly, using Teladoc as a platform. So that's another player. Now, if you look at what Amazon has been doing... So, but 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 stop there. Like, isn't that the right way to do to leverage technology to build on what works? I think the Aetna strategy, on the as opposed to the Amazon non-strategy, drip drip drip, is a really thoughtful one. It's integrating the 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 how things get paid for, how people can get access with an infrastructure that people are using, and adding technology to both reach out into the community to touch and engage patients. And also to accelerate, simplify, and leverage and extend the platforms they've already got. That feels like an integrated thought. Amazon's re- relationship with healthcare feels like a lot of first dates. Sounds like a uh, <laughs> sounds really great, John. You know, so I want my insurance company to run exactly how things are going to go. Of course, it makes sense what Aetna and CVS uh, are trying to do, and we should give them credit for that. But I think you're a little bit uh, you're really betting against Amazon. It's not necessarily going to be well, the, the sec, winning way. Wait a sec, wait a sec. I'm sorry. Uh, you, you don't like your insurance company as opposed to the company that has all of your consumer information, that's listening to your private conversations, that all of your companies are, are, are using as a service, and that doesn't pay any taxes. Excuse, I mean, I just, I'm just want to understand who you're betting on. because I have a rocket ship. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the rocket ship company. 
John, the thing is with Amazon, they're exp- they're doing it differently, and they're having a kind of different personality toward it. Now, what they well, they're doing it differently because they haven't succeeded yet. I mean, like all what what they they the you know, Jeff Jeff Bezos was in the board of Drugstore.com. That didn't go anywhere. They they invested in uh, on-site clinics. That didn't go anywhere. They spent three quarters of a billion dollars to buy a pill pack. Maybe that'll go somewhere. And they did that that uh, that uh, you know the one night stand with. Berkshire Hathaway and JP Morgan that ended up with no relationships. So I think as of right now, they're, I mean, maybe they're, they, they tied one game, but they lost all the other ones. I, I, I don't know why you're so focused on Amazon. Do you, do you own stock or something? No, I'm a prime member though. So Aetna and CVS, you know, they're doing things in a more traditional way and they're bringing it into electronic age. But one of the things that Amazon's going to do is it's going to be an on demand service. So you can connect and in under 60 seconds, you're going to be connected with uh, a physician or another caregiver. And they're going to have, you know, in-app text chatting with the clinicians. They're going to have uh, the ability to actually go out this and send is great. somebody out I, to I, your- I, I, No, 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 no. Freeze frame and think about all those crappy urgia centers that were set up a bunch of years ago that you go in and you have no relationship, but it's convenient. Yeah, called the CVS Minute Clinic, John. Amazon's also going to be, you know, sending people out to your house. Uh, if you need it, so oh 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 oh, that's exactly what I'm looking forward to. They're at your house every day anyway, John. They could take your blood while you're there. I have to understand what you're so against Amazon. What did they sucking the blood out of the economy? Are you, are you one of those guys, John, that they banned for doing too many returns? Is that your problem? <laughs> yeah, get to return your blood sample. I, I I think I think one of the challenges that people in technology continuously run into, and Amazon has done an amazing job in the things that they are really good at, which is on-demand retail. They're only doing okay in the supermarket business, which is a very different business. They're doing an incredible job with the cloud, and hopefully they will shoot more of their executives into space soon. Uh, but the but but when you but but one of the challenges, whether it's Facebook, Amazon, or Google, or maybe Netflix, we'll throw all the fangs in there, is they tend to think technology first as opposed to building on what's already working whether well or ill, that people are engaging in. Now, you visit your your pharmacy four to 12 times a year. You leverage your insurance company to pay for uh, pay for your needs when you've really got a crisis. You, 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 the, the, both of the insurance company and CVS build off of and leverage doctors and hospital systems that people are leveraging today. Adding technology to that makes a lot of sense to me. Coming in and trying to have some slick app that's going to, solve all your healthcare problems. Well, Dave, you go along on that. I'm going to stick with my doctors and infrastructure who know how to use Zoom. All right, fine. Now, John, how about Walmart? Okay. Facebook, you scared me there. I I don't think anybody talks seriously about Facebook getting into primary care. I can just imagine uh, what it would be like. I don't think they would even tell you the results. No, Facebook's Facebook's got a a chief medical officer and they're doing stuff. And Amazon, I mean, and Google, I think is is the sleeping giant there in terms of really being able to potentially make technology really the their data their technology assets relevant for the all the disconnected data and 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 hit the pause button on that one david because i think google's going to come back strong there but i think that the 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 key thing about virtual care is it is very exciting uh the fact that the, the healthcare system doesn't really understand how desperately inconvenient it, it is for a consumer facing system to, to waste your time refilling in forms that you've already filled in and then telling you when they're available to meet your urgent need. I mean, that just is a recipe for failure. And technology can really solve for and help kind of gap that in a meaningful way. But we have to build on what we've got. 
And I think the the notion that again, some slick application and some cloud based platform is gonna 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 cure my mother's cancer is crazy. I, I have been ruminating there, John, on your Facebook comment because I think the way Facebook would work is that they'll you know you'll do a you'll do a visit with them and they they won't bother to tell you your diagnosis, but they'll sell it to a few different people that are out there. But John, <laughs> how about Walmart? How about Walmart? They're not a tech company. They don't have an insurance company. Again, again, I I I I'm very optimistic, although they've not really leaned in. They have physical infrastructure. A quarter of the country visits a a Walmart store every week. They're connected to the community. They're in rural areas that are desperately underserved by primary and specialist care. They've actually come up with some real innovations that have changed the industry. They came up with these $4 generics for 400 different NDCs or specific drugs that fundamentally changed the way drug pricing for those categories. They have the ability to really move the needle. I mean, they've just, I mean, they have over a million uh, employees in the United States, and you figure an average family size of two and a half. Uh, they're the size of just their employee basis, the size of of, of a reasonably regional size uh, healthcare plan. Now, I think Walmart. The question is whether they're serious about healthcare. If they were, then they have the access, uh, the traffic, and the credibility. I think to do something quite remarkable, and they've got a commitment to low price, which makes them kind of unique in healthcare, which is where all the reimbursement is up and to the right, or the prices are up and to the right, which is one of the reasons why so much of this is hard. And if they got in and came in with low-priced alternatives, I think it could be a game changer. No, I think they're being careful about it because it's tough because they got to fight everybody well, else. They're careful because they haven't made up their mind. I mean, yeah. there's careful and there's and there's there, there's sort of lost. And I think they're they're they they've been stuck for a long time. Yeah. Expressing it as a priority, but frankly, they've they've done a really nice job, for example, at recovering a lot of ground in online retail by making very aggressive acquisitions. Uh, they've got a uh, a wonderful new talented leader in Cheryl Pegas. Hopefully, we'll get her on the show. Yeah, who's a doc who really gets uh, folks with chronic conditions, and also, um, uh, and they've got incredibly talented people. They're very innovative from a you know, from an employee benefit perspective. Um, they leverage technology very aggressively on the retail side uh, and online. Um, I think they're the uh, they're the, the 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 player to be named later that could really change the game, change, change the, the the topography of healthcare if they chose to. Well, John, I think what I'm learning from this is that you love everybody except for Amazon. How about Dollar General? They're even well, more. You, why rural are you bringing and, up Amazon again? Why are you bringing up Amazon? Dollar again? General. Do, want to hear more about Amazon? Dollar General is even uh, more rural and cheaper than uh, than Walmart, and they they just named. The chief medical officer. We should have them on the show too. The the a- Amazon gets way too much credit for things they haven't done and might do, uh, and they don't get any blame or, uh, or or shame associated with failed at drugstore.com, failed at online uh, and in store clinics, um, um, uh, failed basic questions around privacy and personal information, which is a very high, uh, a hot issue for most consumers who've got any healthcare needs. And increasingly, they are alienating their consumers. So I, I, you know, I, I, th- I think, I think if you, if you, if you want to solve a healthcare problem, you have to, you have to have the resources to do it and, it ha- and you have to have a trusted relationship with the consumer. And I think they're, they're, they, they, they've, they've, they're botching that second piece. I want to talk now about the impact this has and kind of the overlay with the shift of care to the home 
which we've talked about uh, quite a bit on the show and which is obviously top of mind for you. What does it mean to have you know virtual primary care? Does that help to enable the home? Does it compete with some of the other things that are done in the in the home? What does it mean for the consumer? Yeah, no, I I I I'm I'm actually really, with the exception of the fact that you associated Amazon with it, I'm really excited about virtual primary care and virtual specialist care. I think that again, if you can, we we can leverage technology right now with data to make healthcare a lot more convenient and solve a lot more problems faster by directly connecting clinicians and knowledgeable resources and support with technology tools to get to to tighten the cycle time between hey I think I've got a problem to I've got a solution or I should go to the hospital and by sh- by 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 creating a web of remote patient monitoring those that information where you you've either got a wearable or an activity monitor um, or a tablet that's feeding information back and forth between the family the caregiver the patient and the, and uh, and the healthcare oversight it could be a doctor it could be a a, a service could be a hospital. Um, we can shift a lot of the low acuity cases out of hospitals, out of nurses, nursing homes, and you're starting to hear about it. You're starting to hear about experiments about hospital at home, experiments about ner- uh, sniff at home. Increasingly, hospitals and nursing homes are some of the most dangerous places to be, not just because of COVID, uh, but from a risk of death perspective uh, for people who don't need to be institutionalized who are medically vulnerable. And if we can bring them home and leverage pr- virtual primary care and specialist care and uh, 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 technology-assisted uh, monitoring, I think you're going to see you know us empty a third of the SNF and hospital beds and really provide more care and and per- and actually which which creates the opportunity for frankly more healing because everybody would much prefer if they've got the option and it's safe to heal at home as opposed to in, within the four walls of a hospital. I think it's good, John. I think it's, that actually is exciting times, um, and it is interesting to see in particular, for me, what CVS and Aetna were doing. They're really trying to bring things together. I know they've been thoughtful about it. It's hard to actually you know, unite multiple big companies uh, as they've done, and they've got the timing right, both from their own integration um, and where we are in the pandemic, um, and they're going to force a competitive response among a lot of other players. I think it will be also interesting to see what happens with your traditional primary care physicians and how the hospital systems uh, react. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, better care, more convenient care, safer care, less expensive care is where we're headed here. And it's all good. If we can take the time out of, I've got a problem, I need a solution. If we can provide instant access, particularly for folks, again, that 30 to 40% of people who don't even have a relationship with a doctor to start to build one virtually, that's a, that's a game changer. That, I think I, I'm, I'm thoroughly excited about, about, uh, about, about virtual primary care and virtual care in general, as long as it's integrated into a care system that can take care of all the needs of, of vulnerable patients. Well, John, before we get even more optimistic and utopian, I say, let's call it quits today and say, that's it for yet another edition of Care Talk. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. We'd love to hear from you and please subscribe.